It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Psalm 119 is all about the Word of God, and part of the reason that we do this wonderful program, Exploring the Word, is because of the reality of Psalm 119.105. It says, regarding the Scriptures, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform it, that I will keep thy righteous judgments. We hope that you know, believe, and live by God's righteous judgments. We all want to do that, don't we, Bert? And uh, we welcome you to Fire Away Friday on Exploring Word, where for the whole hour we're going to take your calls and your Bible questions. The number is 888-589-8840. If you've ever thought about calling in, this is your day. We will do our utmost to get to each and every call, 888-589-8840. And Bert, aren't you glad that the good Lord has given the human race the Bible, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path? It is. And when you say that, I could not help but think of Vacation Bible School that I was in and then as pastor, a youth minister and pastor, I would lead and be a part of. And, you know, part of it, we'd say a pledge to the flags, United States flag and the yes. Christian flag. And yes. then we'd pledge allegiance to the Bible and say it as a light and a lamp and to our path and to our feet. It is the Word of God. And I love the Scripture. It is settled in heaven. If it is settled in heaven, I want to tell you, you better believe it here upon earth. So the Word of uh, God is so important. Thank God we have it. Bert, not not 30 minutes ago, I was talking to a dear Christian couple, and they're working on VBS. So I'm going to ask a favor. This is off script here, but if you listen to Exploring the Word, if you like Exploring the Word— then volunteer at your church to help with VBS. Because every summer, and I I know thousands of churches do Vacation Bible School, and Bert, I I meet scores of people, and I'll say, how did you come to know the Lord? And they'll say, well, through Bible school. Volunteer. Uh, It's a great ministry, a great ministry. And uh, if you're part of the big Exploring the Word family, let's, let's commit that at our local churches we'll do VBS this summer. Way to go, Alex. Great, great promotion, and I could not agree with you more. And uh, Vacation Bible School, and a lot of them are going to start next week, guys. Mm-hmm. I've uh, I saw some websites and some newsletters, and they were welcoming children to Vacation Bible School. So volunteer, be there, and help. I just got to tell one story. There's this lady that I was my neighbor. Her name was Maggie Grissom. And, and that lady was something. She had the gift of helps. But when it came to Vacation Bible School, we didn't have church vans back then, but she had a car, and she would go through our community, and she would pick up kids and take them to Bible school. She would serve refreshments. And back then, we always did crafts. And she was out there working, helping make crafts. I made, I still have this. So it is close to, I would say, uh, 60 years old, I still have my shoe shine kit that I made in Vacation Bible School. 
And mm-hmm. uh, every time I see it, and I still use it, I think of Miss Mag Grissom that helped make it. And Amen. so you can make a lasting impression on, on a child by helping in Bible school, and I pray you will. Well, Amen. Alex, you ready to go to the phone lines? we got people already lined up and ready to go. Oh, and it means so much. All of all of you all that listen and those that call in, please know how grateful we are. We are, and we're going to go to Oklahoma and talk to Laurie. Laurie, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I have a question for you. I hope it doesn't throw you for a loop. Um, my son has become involved with something called Christian Anarchist, and from my understanding, as simple as it might be, that's almost like an oxymoron. And I wondered, have you guys ever heard of Christian Anarchist? Is it a cult? Are they biblically sound? Do you know anything? Alex, uh, that's new to me now. Is it you? Well, let me say this. Every now and then, people will take what uh, purports to be a negative word, and they'll try to redeem it, if if you will. Uh, About 10 years ago, there was a group called Christian Hedonist. And hedonism is is a bad thing. It's indulgence. I mean, you think of drunkenness and debauchery. And uh, I, I know a little bit about what Christian hedonism, what they meant. You know, we're free in Christ. But anarchy is is not a good word. And I know there's this movement that... Um, huh, well, here's the thing. Some of it is... is it, engaged in what we might call the social justice movement. And the Christian anarchists, they want to uh, supposedly do good and fight what are perceived as the injustices in this world, like racism and, uh, uh, you know, American supremacy and things like that. What I have read about Christian anarchy is... um, a little unsettling, and I, I'm going to tell you why. And, and let me say this. I love young people. I love young adults. And for those that um, have given their life to Jesus, I applaud them. But here's the thing. Um, all of this, you know, let's hate America. Let's repudiate all that is America. Um, let's go along with critical race theory because America is systemically, structurally bad. I, I, I reject that thesis. And while the heart of people that, that, you know, let's be proactive and let's change this world for Christ, um, I, I think the, the philosophy of the Christian anarchist movement um, has drunk a little deeply from the Kool-Aid of leftist progressivism. So whether or not they uh, love Jesus, only God knows anyone's heart, but we don't we don't change the world by by force. And one let me say this and I'm going to hush. Even even in the time of Christ, um Judas Iscariot and Barabbas were a part of a movement that wanted to help God along and usher in God's kingdom by overthrowing Rome. And Jesus said, "No, you know, we're not insurrectionists. No, um the kingdom of God doesn't come by force." Now, I want to say about the United States of America, this I love this country, and really, there's no other country ever that has given more people more opportunity. We were founded on the Judeo-Christian moral code, and that's why we have been able to correct ourselves, not by 
uh, bullets and riots, that's not going to solve anything but harm this country. But we've been able to correct ourselves through the family, the church, the ballot box peaceably. And so um, to those that want to forcibly make America just, quote unquote, by whatever the woke philosophers say, uh, I've got to lovingly but decisively say I disagree with that. And um, if you think anarchy is God's plan to improve a nation, you got a little more Bible you need to read and a little more spiritual maturity to experience because it's not anarchy and pand- and pandemonium and violence and bullying that God uses to redeem a culture, is it, Bert? It is not. And I, let me just say this, two things. One, you just talked about them taking a, a, a bad word and trying to redeem it. Well, what a lot of folks done, the woke community, the homosexual community, they take good words and then try to put their actions to it like gay. That is, um, I mean, men I grew up, that meant happy. And so this is always redefining. Always be cautious with redefining. Just be cautious with it. Didn't say it was always wrong. Didn't say it's always right, but be cautious. The other thing, if you want to change the world, look what Apostle Paul did. That's what we've been studying in the book of Acts. He, yeah. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did he do? In the Roman Empire, he used his Roman citizenship, citizenship. when he needed to. We yes. need to do that. That is the model. That is the way we go. So, Laurie, thank you for that, and we appreciate you. And I hope this helps you. Let's go to Texas and talk to Harold. Harold, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, guys. Thank you. Um, so I have a, a question. I, I, I don't understand it, so I'm calling you guys. Um, it's about when people say I'm saved, but then I also hear things, but I may not be depending on what happens in my life. You know, 10, 15 years down the road, things could change and I may not follow Christ. I'm sure y'all heard some stuff about that. And I, I'm just trying to understand those, those two seem to be different ideas. Hmm. Well, uh, let me just tell you, um, you know, assurance of salvation is taught, but first you got to be saved to have the assurance Otherwise, it is false for someone to be, well, I think I'm all right. I may be all right. I've done this. Um, Bert, I had a man tell me one time, and I later found out that he was involved in sin, but I I asked him, uh, I said, are are you saved? And he said, well, not right now. Yeah. And I said, well, if you're not saved right now, uh, let's let's help you get saved. But, well, uh, that's that's continue. the reason I tell folks read the book of First John. Over there, it says five different things. These things are written. He says it in his terms that you may know that you may know, and it gives five issues that you can judge yourself. I you know I found out a long time ago. I I don't want to judge anyone. I cannot. And the other day when we were talked about uh, churches and them following some of the Old Testament, uh, you know, feast days. Listen, you go back to Jesus Christ. What have you done with Jesus? That's the whole idea. He fulfilled all righteousness. And First uh, John, Harold, that's what that's what you want to do when you hear somebody say that. Uh, tell them, let me go to First John. Let's do a study on that and see what they say. Alex, uh, mm. John wrote that. He he is pretty strong on on the assurance of salvation, wasn't he? 
Absolutely. And, you know, if anybody, talking about assurance of salvation and the previous call as well, I mean, if anybody is the, the exemplary role model Christian, it would be the Apostle Paul. And, I mean, you look at the writings of Paul, like 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. And Bert, let, let me just say this. I know we've got to move on. And by the way, folks, that number, we'd love to have your call. It's uh, 888-589-8840. It's not presumptuous to say that I know I'm saved. Uh, Now, if it were based on our performance or something, yeah, that might be arrogant. But we know that uh, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Based on the promises of God's Word, you can know that you've been born again. And, and God gives us great reassurance uh, because it's all dependent on Jesus and his word, not any uh, what we think good or bad performance. Although if you are born again, you ought to live right, of course. But if I take God's word, the promises of Scripture at face value, yes, you can be certain if you're born again. Let me see. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi and said in the opening chapter, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it under the day of Christ. I love that passage, uh, Alex. It is assurance. But I want to just tell you, before you take that assurance, you better make sure you are saved. And if there's been a time in your life when you've given it all to him, you surrendered to him because he died on the cross for you, live it. Amen. Be that person that's like Jesus. Hey, we're going to be back right after this break with more of your questions here on Exploring the Word. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Wendy Sherman, United States Deputy Secretary of State. She is the principal deputy to the Secretary of State and becomes acting Secretary of State in the event of an emergency. Hebrews 6.10 reminds us of the importance of serving others. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, We ask you to guide Wendy Sherman in her role as Deputy Secretary of State. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Enrich your prayer life and pray for America and our leaders with our daily National Leadership Prayer Journal. Get yours now at pausetopray.org. Like all parents, God loves giving gifts to His children. But Dr. Tony Evans says that often sets up a pattern most moms and dads find familiar. He'll tell us about it today as we spend two minutes with Tony. I've told you before, when I first started traveling and I would come home from a trip, my kid, daddy's home, daddy's home. They were excited to see me. I would always stop at the airport and get them little toys, bring it home to them. They were excited to see me and they got a toy. But what happened over time is they fell in love with the toy. So they wanted to know when I was leaving again. (laughs) See, folks are showing up at churches all over wanting God to give them a toy called a blessing. Bless me with this. Bless me with that. Give me this. Give me that. They want God's toy without him. 
That's why he's often left in the sanctuary when they go to the parking lot because they came for the toy, but not for the person. He says, you don't love me first. You love what I can do for you. You love the blessings I can give you. You love the money you want from me, the jobs you want from me, the better lifestyle you want from me. You love what I can give you, but you don't want me. And you don't want me first because you'll fit me in when you can. After all your shows have gone off. You'll fit me in after you've done what you've done with your friends. After you've done what you've done with your plans and programs. If you're not too tired before you go to sleep, you'll give me 30 seconds before you nod off. Check out the latest edition of our half-hour daily program and sign up for Dr. Evans' free weekly email devotional when you visit TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Now, back to the Bible study. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. Welcome it's back to Exploring the Word. Bird and Alex, it's Fire Away Friday. We're going to try to get to as many calls as we can, so we're going to go straight to them, and we're going to, to Georgia to Michael. Michael, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? I don't know if y'all remember me or not, but um, people asking how they know they're born again. Um, God has set up the situation to directly follow Jesus by his words. And Jesus said the one that loves him keeps his commandments. And his father will love him also. And the people are just like uh, thinking they don't know what water and spirit is from John 3, 4. Uh, John 3 and 4. The water... The living water is Jesus' words, and the Holy Spirit is the Spirit, born of the water and the Spirit. So basically when I'm in a atmosphere all the time, I'm always focused on Christ's word in a subject matter. Like if they own the subject, I'm always trying to touch base with the Lord's word try to have the right answer amen well michael i want to just tell you what you do alex and i teach this all the time anytime you're looking at uh scriptures you look where you are uh (laughs) that's one of the most important things hey that's true in life where are you are you in the old or new testament which one are you are you in the prophets or are you in the epistles Uh, and then you go there, and it really, the Holy Spirit will lead you. He will help you. There's going to be Mm -hmm. some scriptures, Alex, that we, you and I both admit, we look at and we say that is difficult and hard. And Mm -hmm. uh, listen, but not on the things that are necessary. On the things that are necessary, with all my heart, the Bible is clear, isn't it? It is. You know, the late uh, Harold Wilmington used to say that all of the Bible is equally inspired, but it's not all equally applicable, you know. I mean, and thank the Lord, the gospel passages on how we're born again, we put our faith in Jesus. That's all it is, is put our trust in Jesus. Very, very clear. 
But then, you know, you read some of the history of Israel and how Ezekiel saw a vision of the temple. All of it is equally from God. It's equally inspired. But in terms of application to our life, it's, it's not all equally applicable. Although there are, I, I do believe there are great spiritual truths and, and things that will strengthen and grow us on every single page, don't you? That's exactly right. I, I was taught, and I refer to him quite a bit, Dr. James Travis, my one of my professors at Blue Mountain College. He said, open the Bible and look at every page and look for Jesus on every page. He's there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just want to tell you, you'll see some of his character. You will see him being revealed, and we appreciate that so much. Thank you, Michael. Let's go to Virginia and talk to David. David, welcome. Yes, good afternoon. My phone's about ready to – I forgot my charger at home, but I had a question. Uh, Hosea 510, uh, the, the princesses of Judea are like those who remove a landmark. I will pour out my wrath on them like water. I think I know what it means. I got an example, but can you tell me what that means? Okay, man, thank you, David. The Bible, again, this is one of those times, don't just take Hosea 5.10. This is one of those times, Alex, it'd be good to go all the way back into the, to the, the first five books and then especially Joshua and looking at those markers and those landmarks. And it is talking about boundaries. They is important. But yeah. it's also talking about some of the things that, uh, you can interpret it as saying those things that are important. Here's the word, boundaries. Alex, are those yeah. boundaries important? Oh, my goodness, they they really are. And, you know, back in uh, Genesis 39, there was uh, a, a verse about Mizpah, or boundaries. And just like the, the landmarks, uh, you know, fences. And nowadays even... If they're surveying a piece of land, you know, they might look for a rock or a, a piece of metal buried in the ground 100 years ago because boundaries matter. Uh, Proverbs twenty-two twenty-eight says, Do not move ancient boundary stones set up by your ancestors. Now, let me, let me bring this to Hosea 5, 10 that the caller asked about. Judah's leaders are like those who move boundary stones. I will pour out my wrath on them like a flood of water. Here's the thing. A lot of Hosea is um, judgments about, uh, well, Hosea um, is judgments against priests. All right, the princes of Israel, those are leaders, the people of Israel and the priests were all guilty of multiple sins, Hosea 5, 1 through 14. Now, here's here's the thing, and I'm going to throw it back to you, Bert. Um, According to the Word of God, it is a very unlawful thing to remove the boundary lines of property because, hey, if if somebody owns that, I don't have the right to move those boundary lines so people don't know where the the land starts and stops. I'm going to tell you those in our day that, yes, they are under the judgment of God that have moved the boundary stones, quote-unquote. Anybody who tells you there's a way to be saved besides Jesus— that's a boundary line that we cannot move. There's only Christ, the Savior. If anybody says, well, the Bible is not fully the Word of God, I mean, the, it contains the Word of God, but it also has errors. Wrong. And I want to say this, Bert. 
for the the gay, transgender, pro-abortion people, some of the boundary stones, if you will, that have sustained our nation for 240 years plus. It was called the Ten Commandments, morality. And all of the woke people and the defund the police, open borders, uh, they're moving boundary stones that besides the fact that it's creating anarchy in our country, it is going to keep them under the judgment of God. And so we are to acknowledge truth humbly before the Lord, live by truth, but we're not supposed to change or redefine or suppress truth, are we, Bert? We are not. With that in mind, I want to place a comment, and I'm going to remind you of something. We've really promoting prayer for our law enforcement officers on, on June the 13th. That's not this Sunday. It is the next Sunday. This Sunday it was is remembering D-Day, if you remember that, June the 6th, D-Day. Mm-hmm. And, yes. but, and June the 13th is prayer for law enforcement. And where I'm going to be preaching on that Sunday, I've already called ahead and told them, I said, uh, if you can get them there, get them there. We want to recognize them and pray for them. So let me encourage you to encourage your pastor. Hey, I'm a pastor. And ever so often, uh, yes, we get bombarded with a lot of suggestions. I admit that. But I'm not going to apologize to any pastor for this. For me telling you, you're a deacon, you're a Sunday school teacher, you're a member, Go to your pastor say, Pastor, we really need to pray for our law enforcement officers on June the 13th. Join millions that will be praying and just praying that God would use them to protect them. So good word, Alex. Appreciate it so much. Let's go to Georgia and talk to Tim. Tim, welcome. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Doing good today, good. brother. Thank you for calling. Oh, it's an honor to talk to you, gentlemen. Uh, my question is going to be on the lineage of Jesus. Now, He's from the line of the tribe of Judah, which, as we know, David comes out of and all this. Let me ask you a question. How does Mary tie back to David? Okay. Uh, Alex, Matthew has the lineage of Joseph, okay? And it ties back to Abraham. Luke would take the lineage of Jesus and go all the way back to Adam, but both of them go through David, don't they? Uh, they they do, and you know he was the the throne of David would be established forever, uh, but it, it's it's really the kingdom of Jesus. Okay, Luke uh, records the, the lineage of Mary, uh, really, uh, and by the way, at that time, including the names of women in genealogies was not really all, all that much done, and so. Joseph um, and, and Mary, you know, Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus, but Joseph was the, the dad, but not the father. Um, Mary was related to Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. Uh, Mary was related to Elizabeth, who was of the tribe, tribe of Levi. You know, they were cousins. And so um, Mary's father, okay, Heli, who was the father of Mary, was a descendant of Judah. And so this does put Mary, because David was of the tribe of Judah, and Luke one thirty two says that uh, the Savior would be a uh, uh, descendant of David. It says the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. So uh, Jesus, being a descendant of David, means that he is qualified to be the Messiah and the the one who will sit on the throne of David for uh, forever. 
So that's why Matthew and Luke, in those genealogies, what they're establishing is the legal and spiritual right of Jesus to claim Messiahship. Yes, I, I was always amazed. I thought, well, if I was choosing the 12 sons of Jacob to have the Messiah come from, I believe I'd have chosen you know, Joseph, that's men thinking, Alex. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, he chose Judah, which means what? Praise. And I, I love that. That's why we, when we get together and we worship, one of the things that we do is praise. Yes, we, we come confessing our sins. Yes, we come to learn, but we come to praise him as well, Judah. I just, I, I think that is neat. Hey, let's go mm-hmm. to Alabama and talk to Jeremy. Jeremy, welcome. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yes, your own brother. Go right ahead. Hey, uh, Bert, you were so funny this morning uh, on uh, Learning University, but uh, <laughs> I had a question about yesterday in the book of Acts. Yes, um, I remember. That's you get, going, yeah. Yeah, you said um, that the demon had replied to them. Do you think that demons can still uh, somehow manifest a voice in today's times? I'll put it this way, Jeremy. Uh, I don't go around casting out demons. I, I believe a professor of mine that I had in, in, in seminary said it this way. Uh, there's a, probably a lot more demons than most traditional churches think, and there not, may not be as many as those that are looking for demons under every bush. But I, I with all my heart, um, I, I believe I've been in the presence of of demons and hearing words that it came from the human being's mouth, but it sounded demonic in my mind. Alex, uh, I mm-hmm. don't know if you'd want to answer that for, for Jeremy or not. Yeah, I mean, uh, l- let's just say this. Don't go looking for Satan or his minions. Keep your eyes on Jesus, cleave to the Lord. But, uh, yeah, I do think, um, and, and by the way, not only can demons speak, uh, when they've like possessed a, a person, but uh, as we get near the end of time and we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus, I think demonic activity will probably escalate. That's why I want to say to everybody listening, if you've never been born again, if you've never trusted Christ, this is the time. Have your house in order. Make sure that you're saved. Flee darkness. Walk with Christ and his word. And, uh, no matter what counterfeits and uh, oppression Satan tries to drum up, you'll be shielded from it because you're walking in Christ. Just a few weeks ago, I was part of a panel that was discussing spiritual warfare, uh, and it was a great time, and uh, it, it, it just was helpful. And I think you may can find that. It's uh, American Family Studios. Uh, we put it out with the town meetings that we do. And uh, let me just tell you, make more of Jesus. Alex, what Alex said is so important. Uh, Don't spend all your time trying to study Satan and how he operates. The Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. All you got to do is watch and see. But I want to just tell you, you put your mind and your heart, put it on Jesus. Think on these things, Philippians 4.8. And I want to tell you, when you think on those things, 
you recognize falsehood. You recognize that which is evil. It really does. Philippians 4.8 is more than just poetic beauty. It is a way to live and a way to think, and that's Philippians 4.8. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Let's go to Iowa, up in Iowa, and talk to James. James, welcome. Hey, Alex and Bert, to God be the glory, guys. Amen. To you God better be believe it. Go Absolutely. ahead. we got about a minute and a half before the break. Okay, I'm hurting, guys. Hey, um, it's not really a Bible question. I apologize. But one of the things that you've heard this question a million times, but in heaven, that we will know one another. Obviously, um, I heard that, you know, my wife, when we pass away, I won't know her as my wife. But when it says that we will know one another, is it is that we will know everyone or everyone that we knew on earth? <laughs> what? Well, mm. I believe we'll know everybody. I don't know exactly how that works, but I still go about the Mount of Transfiguration. Yes. They did, uh, you know, those guys didn't have name tags on them, and Jesus didn't have to introduce them. Those apostles knew Moses and knew Elijah, didn't they, Alex? Absolutely. Um, Matthew 17, the Mount of Transfiguration, and also 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now, here in this life, we see through a mirror dimly, but then face-to-face, we know in part, but then we will know fully. We will know as we are known. And let me just say this. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 talks about we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Uh, it's been said that secret sin on earth is open scandal in heaven. And, yeah, I do think we, we will know people. You'll walk up, and there's uh, Peter, Paul, James, John, Amos. Moses, I mean, we will know, Amen. and people will know us. And so, uh, that, and there's no fear in love because there'll be no motives or guilt or shame. We'll be in a perfect environment of righteousness. Personally, I can't wait to beat my grandmother that I, she died before I was born, a godly woman. I can't wait to meet her, and that's going to be on the other side. But we're going to come back and take more questions right after the break. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. Have you been looking for a way to serve others? Are you able to serve in a ministry without being paid? You and Friendships might be the perfect match. Friendships is currently taking applications for volunteers providing aid to disaster victims, refugees, and the impoverished, both here at home and around the world. Get more information at friendships.org or by calling 337-433-5022. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its savor, how will it be seasoned? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Matt Walsh wrote a piece for the Daily Wire where he said, The contemporary American Christian is the most open-minded person to have ever existed. He's so open-minded, you can hardly tell he's Christian or has a mind at all. He has for a long time been open to the idea that marriage isn't permanent and sex isn't meant exclusively for marriage. He's basically open to whatever notions are popular. 
he is open. And where he is not open, he is silent. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Luke 4, 16, Jesus says this about himself. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. During World War II, 500 American and British POWs had spent three years in a hellish prison camp. But on January 28, 1945, U.S. Army Rangers went behind enemy lines to rescue them. One POW, Burt Bank, stared vacantly at the ranger who told him he could go free. He wouldn't move. But then the ranger said, man, don't you want to be free? The word free broke through to Bert. He reached up and took the ranger's hand and walked out of that camp to freedom. Sometimes we don't recognize our freedom when it's standing right in front of us. Don't refuse your freedom. Turn to Jesus and be saved today. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I know the answer to every question, the one solution to every fear. I know my help and where it comes from. Jesus, He is the answer. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Welcome back. Hey, I want to encourage you to go to AFR.net. You can listen to this show, forward it on, download uh, episodes of this and all the other great programming. Check out AFR.net and also the American Family uh, app for your mobile device. But right now we continue with calls and Bible questions, 888-589-8840, toll-free nationwide. We'd love to hear from you. And Bert, uh, where next? We are going to the great state of Mississippi, and it's Tammy. Tammy, welcome. Hi, pastors. How are you? Doing well Good. today. Thanks Thank you. Um, my question involves something um, dealing with baptism and being saved. My son has recently joined a church that his fiance goes to, and he had to be rebaptized with uh, immersion, um, according to this church. And basically, I've been a Methodist all of my life, which of course is sprinkling. And he says I'm not saved because I haven't been immersed. And um, I explained to him that any form of bad baptism, according to my teaching, is an outward sign of acceptance. And the only thing you have to do to be saved is to accept Jesus with all of your heart. And he's fighting me on this. Okay. What's your opinion, pastors? Okay, Tammy, thank you. Uh, let me just share this with you, two or three things. The Bible, over and over, when it talks about salvation, it talks about grace and faith. Some of the time, two or three times, it will throw and baptized in it. But the one that you always see is that of trusting Jesus. The word is trust. It means to place your faith in. It means to surrender your life to. And it's honestly, me, if it, it's, a, it's a verb, that means faith. You know, if mm -hmm. you could put faith as a verb, that's exactly what it is. 
and the word baptize, it does mean uh, that. Let me say this, Tammy. I'm going to throw it to Alex. The word in the Greek language is baptizo, and it does mean to plunge under. Now, Alex and I, we both believe the best mode of a baptism is immersion. It demonstrates the death, burial, and resurrection. It demonstrates that we're buried with Christ and raised in units of life. It does so many of those things that it is a feature of it, but not essential to salvation. But I say it is one of the first acts of obedience after salvation. Alex, help Tammy out, please. Well, Tammy, thanks for calling, and we feel very honored to address questions like this. A little bit of theology here, a little bit of church history. Um, You need to understand that the New Testament uses baptism in a couple of ways. Galatians 3, 26-28 talks about being baptized into Christ through faith. How are we baptized? How are we put into Jesus, saved? Through faith. That's right. So if, if anybody listening, if you've said, Dear Lord, uh, save my soul, I believe in Jesus, and I, I, I ask forgiveness of my sins, you are baptized into Christ through faith. Now, Bert is right, and listen carefully, folks. A step of obedience for the believer is to identify with the church and with Jesus publicly. And therein comes water baptism. Now, water baptism is not what saves you. Putting your faith in Jesus is what saves you. But throughout church history, there have been three modes of baptism, or three ways to get baptized. Immersion, effusion, and aspersion. And you say, what in the world does that mean? All right. Well, Bert said it right. Immersion is traditionally uh, what the church did. And it does mean to plunge something under. In fact, um, in ancient Greek writing, they talked of a ship that sank, and they used the word baptizo, under the water, because baptism pictures the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But a fusion is pouring. There have been denominations that would pour water on people. And then uh, aspersion is sprinkling. Now, Bert, um, I, I was... Dedicated as a little baby, I was christened, and I'm not going to open up a whole can of worms by talking about what that is, but the Presbyterian Church where I um, have preached, uh, I remember people that as adults were converted to Jesus were sprinkled in church. Uh, that's baptism by aspersion, and a lot of churches do that. And I'm, I'm going to say this, and then we'll move on. Anyone who puts their faith in Jesus is saved. Historically, scripturally, I agree with Bert. The the traditional mode of baptism, and I think the one that is the best picture, is baptism by immersion. But if somebody has put their faith in Jesus and your church does a a fusion or aspersion, pouring or sprinkling, um, I I accept that as as a valid public identification with the church. Um, So um, I would would encourage people to pray for Tammy's son because um, it it sounds like he's, um, for this girlfriend, going to a church that maybe overstates what baptism is and is not. it, It sounds like it's Jesus plus. The Bible doesn't teach that. I'll say this. When we get to heaven, we're not going to have, okay, all you that's been poured, you get in this corner. 
you mm. that have been sprinkled in this corner and those immersions in that corner and then those that hadn't done anything, no, it's not going to be that way. Listen, uh, trust Jesus Christ. Make much of Jesus. And, uh, man, make sure you're saved. Trust Christ. Mm. Let's go mm. to Virginia and talk to James. James, welcome. Yes, guys. How y'all doing today? Doing good today. Yeah. I'm going to tell y'all, y'all are a blessing, fellas. I really appreciate y'all's radio program. Well, thank you, James. Well, thank uh, you, brother. Uh, guys, I've got a... Uh, issue here. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. My wife is saved. Um, we've had an issue in my marriage. My wife has uh, left me. Uh, I don't know what's going on. She's uh, just told me she's mad and she's got a lot of anger and she needs to find herself. And uh, I've been fasting and praying and consulting my pastor. I've got uh, people praying. and I'm just wondering if you can uh, give me some verses or any way I can move God to compassion to, uh, to move in my life and my marriage to bring my wife back to me. Because uh, it's, it's destroying my family, my kids, and I'm just uh, I just don't know what to do. I keep reading my Bible and uh, Amen. verses. And, well, James, uh, you know, let me uh, let me share this with you. We're going to pray with you today, and I want to share with there's this there's this book that my wife read years ago uh, by Evelyn Christensen. If you listen to this program, you've heard me to refer to her more than once. It's the book is Lord Change Me. I don't mean to say anything, James. You you may alter someone's behavior, your wife. You may alter your children's behavior, but only God can change her heart. If I were you, I don't know exactly why she's left. I know she said angry, but I'd read the book of Hosea, and I would read it and look at it and say, Lord, bring her back. Bring her back just as, as Gomer was brought back to to, uh, to Hosea, and it wasn't, it wasn't pretty, but she did come back, and uh, he brought her back. But, James, we're going to be praying for you. But before we pray, Alex, would you give a word of encouragement to James or a Bible verse? Uh, yes, yes, I would. And uh, let me just say that um, the most important assignment that you guys have right now is to raise your children in the ways of the Lord. And, I mean, I've been involved in youth ministry for 30 years, literally, and, and I would tell you, um, obviously, for you and your wife each to make sure that you're saved and walking with the Lord, but the, the welfare of those children trumps everything. Let me give you a quick illustration. Once I was doing some work, I was on a relief project helping Samaritan's Purse, and I had a lunch break, and I was tired, but a man came up, and he was having a medical crisis, and uh, we had to get him to some medical help, uh, and it, it truly was a life or death situation. And I didn't have the liberty to say, well, you know what? I'm on my break right now. I mean, this guy's life was in my hands for just a few minutes. Here's the thing. She might need to find herself. We all have stress and whatnot. But raising your kids and being a godly example supersedes any agenda mom and dad have going on. Lose at anything else but win with your children. And, and, and I want to pray. I, would, I really would recommend uh, Dr. Chapman's fantastic book, The Five Love Languages. Yes. And Dr. Gary Chapman, who, if there's a living legend of the faith, he's one of them. He said to me about two months ago, he said, um, I've, I've rarely ever seen a marriage that couldn't be saved if people would know their partner's love language 
and feed into it. Especially if they're both believers. There's, let me just say this. There's no excuse if they're two believers. Uh, both of them's got to come, but we got to pray for that. And I agree with you. Alex, you said pray for James. Would you lead us, brother? Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come with with urgency on our hearts and minds right now. I pray for this marriage. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you save this marriage? And Lord, the world, the flesh, and the devil, cast it away. Even just fatigue and tiredness or, you know, what if I had taken a different path? Lord, I pray that that neither the husband nor the wife would throw in the towel. Save this family. I pray for their children, that they would come to you at a, at a young age, and I pray that this marriage would be a trophy of your power to change lives. And dear Lord, bless James and just give him patience and help him uh, keep his eyes on you. We pray for the Holy Spirit to do a work in, the, in both spouses. And Father God, uh, I just ask this, uh, please, please restore this marriage and let it be a witness for countless numbers of people. And we lift it up to you, thanking you for the outcomes, because you do all things well. And we ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. All you prayer warriors out there, write the name James down, and let's bombard heaven for the next 24 hours. Mm. Write his name down and amen, ask God. Amen. amen. Let's go to North Carolina and talk to Jeff. Jeff, welcome. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yes, you're on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Mr. McCormick, I, I met you a couple of weeks ago over at uh, Rockfish Church, and it was, it, was, it was an honor to meet you, honestly. <laughs> well, praise the um, Lord. Yeah, thank you for listening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, Yeah, my question is, uh, uh, in Genesis chapter 4, after um, the Lord condemned uh, Cain, Cain says, um, I shall be a fugitive in a wander of the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. At the time, I thought it was just, you know, Adam, Eve, and their children. So uh, uh, what does he mean by uh, whoever finds me will kill me? Good question, Jeff. Alex, let me see. Had it just been four or five years that this had happened, or could it have been hundreds of years? (laughs) Oh, it it could have been. It was at least decades and maybe even several hundred years. And do you know what? Uh, Based on birth rates, it's been estimated that at the time of of Cain, because, you know, um, Cain uh, got a wife, and people wonder, where did that wife come from? Let me say what it was not in Genesis 4, 17. It was not that Cain married a person from some other race of people. And uh, verse 15, the Lord said, you know, anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Um, there, It's been estimated that at the time of Cain's, um, you know, being banished to the wilderness alone, there may have been 300,000 people on planet Earth by that time. That's right. We don't know exactly, but um, the, it wasn't just uh, Cain, Abel, Adam, and Eve. No, there yeah. were many, many people born and descendants. Thank you, Jeff. And by the way, uh, keep, keep up with Alex uh, at com, and you can find out where he is. Hey, by the way, I'm going to be at Smithville Baptist Church this Sunday at 1030 for you in northeast Mississippi. I'd love to see you there. And uh, praise God. Alex, are you at home or are you on the road this weekend? Well, I want to thank you, Bert. I'm going to be at First Baptist Myrtle Beach uh, this uh, Sunday, 830 and 11, First Baptist Myrtle Beach, where we're going to have Truth for a New Generation, October 15 through 17. 
And uh, we're going to get the website up real quick for that. But let me encourage everybody, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, I was with the committee today. Uh, we're going to have a one-night evangelism rally in Winston-Salem at Grace Baptist Church uh, Friday night, June 18. And the theme of it, they came up with it, not me, but it's, Are You Ready? And th- this committee believes that the world situation is such that everybody needs to know that they're saved. And so, friends, uh, I know we've got listeners all around these areas, but Winston-Salem, North Carolina, 6.30 p.m. There's going to be food, there's going to be bands, and I'll be sharing the gospel. And wherever you are, I ask you to keep that night in prayer. We're praying for a harvest of souls, and if you can, bring a lost person. Bring somebody unsaved, because they will hear the gospel June 18 in Winston-Salem. Don, we didn't get to get to you, but your question was about reading the Bible through. Would God hold that against you? Let me just tell you, uh, it's pretty hard to read through sometimes, but you need to start. Uh, start and let God lead you. And, Alex, it's not, yeah, there's nothing wrong reading Genesis all the way through Revelation. That's good. But when God, when God speaks to you in a scripture, you need to stop for a little bit and, and just ingratiate yourself on that scripture, a promise, a warning, meditate on that word. And, uh, um, you you know, I was going to piggyback on that. Forgive me for interrupting, but while we're live on the air, I'm getting Facebook messages from Exploring the Word listeners. And somebody said, uh, what's a good study Bible? How do I start reading the Bible? Hey, uh, like Bert says, just read. But let me encourage you, maybe real easy, you can read the Gospel of John. You bet. A uh, great place to start. And to understand the Bible, look for Jesus. On every page. Let me just tell you, uh, I was asked a question, what's the most important books of the Bible? All of them are important, but if I was going to pick three, I'd say John for sure. I'd want to know Genesis. If you can't, don't know where you came from, don't know where you're going. And then Psalms, I'd say that was really important. Read those and they'll bless you. Alex, have a great weekend, brother. You too, my friend. Folks, thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. Tell somebody about American Family Radio. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus.